Hello, sports fans. Welcome to another episode of the It's Just a Game podcast. I am your host, Chris Pill. So, unless you've been hiding under a rock, you're well aware of the fact that the 2019 Philadelphia Eagles season is no more. They lost to the Seahawks 17-9. to No, this is not a pre-recorded tape. They lost to the Seattle Seahawks 17-9 to again. I mean, what are the chances of losing to the, to the same exact team by the same exact score twice in one year, which is that's crazy to me. And we'll get into the, the points and all that. Well, we got a lot of stuff to talk about. Carson Wentz, was it a dirty hit by Jadavion Clowney? Was it not a dirty hit? I'll talk about that a little bit. Um, I'm going to talk about just things that just killed this, like third down, third and longs. Um, uh, one of the cornerbacks, like Avante Maddox, that just did not have a good game. I've been a big fan of Avante Maddox over the last couple of weeks, uh, more than a lot of other people, but today did not help his cause at all. And I'm just, we're going to talk about Josh McCown, 40 years old. Josh McCown, we're going to talk about Miles Sanders. I'm not really going to get into a lot of, oh, this future looks brighter or looking ahead to like next year and all that. Like right now, that's an episode for another day. Right now, we're just going to talk about this game and we're going to talk about maybe a little bit of this season, but mostly it's going to be just about this game. And I'm also going to talk about the other wild card games as well because our game was last, which that's pretty good when your game is on last. That means, you know, you had the prompt time matchup. But the other three games were pretty good. I mean, the Saints and the Vikings played a really good game. The Titans and the Patriots wasn't really a good game, but it was a really, really good result. Because seeing uh, the Patriots lose in the wild card round, that's just so good to see. And then Buffalo and uh, Houston, that was a really good game also. And I'm going to talk about all of that. Um, I'm going to talk about that on the other side. So thank you for listening. Let's get right into it in about six seconds. So with the Sixers losing four games in a row, especially after their last loss, I honestly, I'm so hung up on this Eagles loss right now that I can't even remember who the Sixers even lost to. I don't know, I'm really drawing a blank. I know they lost to Indiana like last week. Houston, that's who it was. Okay, the Houston game, it just came back to me. So after they lost to Houston, their fourth loss in a row, they haven't won a game since Christmas, by the way. I really was like, okay, you know what? It's all good. At least we got the Eagles. Now with the Eagles out, I have to go back to the Sixers, and we're stuck with the Philadelphia 76ers. So we'll see what they do the rest of the year. And as I talked about in one of my last episodes, I think the Sixers have a ceiling. And But hopefully they pass that ceiling. Hopefully they'll make a couple of trades, and maybe they'll do something, some big things. Because Sixers, it's all on you now, because the Eagles season is no longer. So, first things first, uh, Carson Wentz. Now, Carson Wentz has about eight to ten minutes of playoff experience at this point now. And it sucks, and I feel so bad for him because I'm one of the biggest Carson Wentz supporters ever. I do not tolerate any Carson Wentz disrespect on my timeline or on YouTube videos or whatever. So... I was just really happy to see that he could finally play in a playoff game. Now, 
As you guys know, the last two years, he hasn't been able to play in the playoffs. He's gotten hurt, like, right before the playoffs, right in December. So, he hasn't been able to play in the postseason. This is his first year he was able to have, actually have a postseason start. Then in the first quarter, he ends up getting knocked out. And we know what happens with Carson Wentz. He plays with reckless abandon. You know, he gets out the pocket. He runs a lot. And on this particular play, he really wasn't even doing much. He kind of just... He was sliding down. He was a runner. He went down. He got tackled. And then Jadavion Clowney came up behind him and just ran his head into the turf. Like, hit him on top of his head. Knocked him out with a concussion. And I've seen a lot of debates on whether it was a dirty play or not. I looked at it in slow motion, and it looks like a dirty play. Then you look at it in real time, man. It doesn't look as dirty. And I still think... Jadavion Clowney hit him unnecessarily. I don't think he probably could. I mean, he was already going to the ground. So I don't think like Clowney hitting him did any much of anything, you know? So I just feel like there was no reason for him to go after him and hit him in the head like that. And then the referees will say, oh, he was a runner at that point. And I agree with that because I'm not really a fan of trying to protect quarterbacks when they get outside the pocket and when they start running because you can't be a runner and you want to run and you want to juke people and you want to spin and you want to do this. You want to duck under guys, but then when you get hit, you want to crop out and play the quarterback card. You're not allowed to do that. But in this particular case, like I said, Carson Wentz wasn't really, he was already halfway going down. Like He was pretty much two feet away, like two, like five inches away from the turf. He was already down. There was no reason for Jadavion Clowney to hit him. So while I don't think it was like malicious and he tried to injure him, I do think it was an unnecessary hit. And a lot of people wanted the flag. At the time, I did want the flag too. But honestly, even if we got the flag, we got the 15 yards, that still wouldn't have brought Carson Wentz back. And I'm going to stand firm on this. I'm 100% sure that we would have won that game if Carson Wentz played that full game. A lot of people don't want to say the whole what if. I really don't like to do the whole what if or if this or if this happened, if that happened. Like maybe this might have, should, maybe could have, might have been. So I'm not really big on that. I'm not really big on hypotheticals. But I just think with the way Carson Wentz is playing, I mean, I, I name my reasons. I named my reasons why the Eagles would beat the Seahawks in this game because I think that Carson Wentz, he just grew a rapport with the receivers on this team. Like, you know, your Greg Wards and, you know, Zach Ertz and Zach Ertz playing today and Dallas Goddard and even Buster Scott and Miles Sanders. I just feel like and even Robert Davis and Deontay Burnett. I mean, they had a couple of big plays last week, so I feel like they could have got a nice play in this game. So, and the, when Carson Wentz got hurt, it pretty much changed the way Doug Peterson had to call the game because if you look at the... Um, the play calls from like the first two possessions when Wentz was in there, it was a lot of shotgun. It was a lot of shotgun. There was some inside zone, and there was a lot of, you know, two tight ends on the outside. There was some, um, and you can't even say a lot because Carson Wentz only played about six plays. I mean, he, or it might have been seven plays. There was one on the penalty. It was a defensive holding, but he only completed one pass. It was third and third and ten, and he threw a ball to Boston Scott. He got like three yards, of which, and that was his last play. So. After that, Josh McCown came in. And then right when McCown came in, there was a lot of, you know, under under the center. And it was a lot of, you know, stretch runs or inside zone runs to, you know, either Miles Sanders or Boston Scott. And that was when Josh McCown came in. So, Doug Peterson pretty much had to change 
how he was calling the game because you don't have a Carson Wentz in there. You can't go out there and, and he did still throw the ball a lot, but you know how it is. I mean, once once you, you don't have your franchise quarterback in there no more, you, you can't throw the ball like you really want to. But you remember that with the Philadelphia Eagles back in 06 when Donovan McNabb was out there, they were passing the ball 40, 50 times a game sometimes. So as Jeff Garcia came in, Andy Reid changed the offense and made it more running centric and made it more a little more balanced. So that's usually what happens once you lose your franchise quarterback. Now I'm going to address this with Carson Wentz. Like I said, I would not tolerate any Carson Wentz slander. So I saw, I saw a video, some guy. I don't even know if he. I just looked up Carson Wentz because I wanted to keep watching the play on YouTube. And I saw just some guy. I don't even know what his name is. I don't even want to give him the time of day to remember his name. I don't know if he was an Eagles fan or if he wasn't. I don't know what this guy was. Like Maybe he was a boxer. I don't know because he kept referencing boxing. And he's saying, oh, Carson Wentz quit on this team. You know how many times uh, boxers get hit? They suffer from concussions. And you know how many times guys from back in the day, our quarterbacks from 20 years ago, like how many times they had concussions? And I'm thinking like, dog, what are you talking about? Like, you're going to compare boxing to football? Like boxing where... You're pretty much just getting hit in the head. Like football, they actually wear helmets, so they're trying to protect you. Like last time I checked, boxers aren't wearing aren't wearing helmets. There, there are no holding penalties. There isn't all oh, legal contact. There, I mean, there's little penalties in boxing, but it's not the same as football. They're not protecting the players, specifically the quarterbacks, like they are in football. So you can't talk about uh, the. You can't give me the boxing reference. You can't give me the boxing analogy. I don't want to hear that. And then you talk about 20 years ago. Now, it's not Carson Wentz's fault he couldn't come back in the game. This is the NFL's doing. The NFL implemented rules where you cannot come back into a game unless you're clear by the doctors. The doctors, like, they have a tent on the sideline, and they put you through all these concussion protocols. They actually have rules where if the referee even thinks that you're showing signs of a concussion, the referees will stop the game, and they will point to the player and say, that guy, that number, they will pull you off the field. The player will be shot. I've seen this a million times watching like numerous games where a player will just be ready to play. They'll be lined up, ready to you know start the next play. The referees both ref referee blows the whistle, and they point to a player, and the player is just like, um, I don't understand what, what what's going on. And they pull him off, and they say like whatever what they say. Uh, we think he has a concussion. He's showing symptoms of a concussion or whatever. And they took him to the sideline. and They run him through tests. Sometimes they do have a concussion. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes they, you know, they ask you, uh, "What's your name?" or "What's your birthday?" "What's today?" "Where are we?" Like, "What's what's the score of this game?" Now it's just like general questions like that. And they pretty much run you through that. Now Carson Wentz actually, did, you can't tell me Carson Wentz quit on his team because after that hit, he was on the sideline. You saw a little clip of him. You know, he couldn't really see out of his right eye. And again, you can't say he quit because. After that play, he still played another like another couple plays. So you can't sit here and tell me that he quit on his team. This is not like right after the play. He said, oh, coach, take me out. He's not Ezekiel Elliott. Like, that's what Ezekiel Elliott does. That's what he did against us. So I don't want to hear that he quit on his team because he tried to play through it. The doctors got a hold of him. They probably saw the sound that he was showing concussion. And honestly, it's not, it's not, it's not worth risking your life, like playing with a concussion. Like, like these rules are here for a reason. Like back in the day, this is why, and no dis disrespect to the dead, but this is why guys like Junior Seau ended up committing suicide because they're going through all these mental health problems. And you look into their the brain and they have the CTE. I think 
Antonio Brown is probably showing signs of that because his mind is all over the place. There's a lot of guys like from back in the day that are suffering from those symptoms from all those hits to the head. They're suffering from those like today. Like 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 literally as we speak, they're suffering from these things. So even so even if Carson Wentz did say, I'm not going back in there, I wouldn't even blame him because if I have a concussion, I'm not risking my life for this. I'm, I'm just not. Like, I'm not risking my... Like, Carson Wentz just got married. Carson Wentz is about to have a baby. Like, I mean, you're telling me that you, you're about to have a baby? You're going to sit and risk your life over a football game? I know this is his job. I know he's getting paid $30 million per year to do this job and to play quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles. But I'm sorry. Like, just not I'm, not... I'm not going back in there. And, again, he did try to go, but the doctors won't let him. I've seen... Another thing that I've seen, I've seen guys try to go back in the game and the, the trainers or the coach or whatever, they'll take their helmet from them because you cannot go back into this game. Like, it's all about the safety. And that's what we're preaching about today in 2019, 2020 and beyond. It's about player safety. And But but they should have called that penalty, though, honestly, because you can't give me player safety and let hits like that go when it was obviously a late and an unnecessary hit. And it was a hit. It was a helmet to helmet hit as well. He led with his helmet and he drove his head into the turf. And then for that, my quarterback had to miss the rest of that game. My quarterback, Carson Wentz, my $30 million quarterback, my quarterback that that pretty much put the team on his back and had 4,000 yards without a 500 yard wide receiver. That guy that put the team on his back the last four games and won all four of these division games and was a great leader in those moments. That guy that like was an MVP two years ago. This guy put the whole city on his back. So do not tell me that my guy quit. He did not quit, okay? So cut it out. And that guy pissed me off. And then I, I scrolled over and I see another video. It's just a stupid Dallas Cowboys fan. Again, I don't even want to give him the time of day by remembering his name. I might have left a hurtful comment. So my YouTube account might be getting suspended. Um, I'll let you guys know on that. But he just said oh Carson Wentz is over the pressure got to his head he's done all oh, you Eagles fans are in my comments all butt hurt and I'm thinking like the pressure got to his head are you kidding me this guy has had a way better career than Dak Prescott he's a way better quarterback than Dak Prescott don't be salty because you're a Dallas Cowboys fan and your team got knocked out and you're not watching the playoffs that our team is in the playoffs so you want to sit there on your stupid couch on your stupid freaking Dallas Cowboys jersey, your stupid Michael Irvin jersey from 1995, your Super Bowl ring from 1995, 1994, whatever, and you want to sit here and pray on my team's downfall because your team isn't in it. You know what? If your team was in the playoffs, you wouldn't even you wouldn't even care about us. If your team was in the playoffs, maybe you wouldn't be so miserable, you know? So I don't want to hear the pressure got to his head when he got a concussion and he had a legitimate injury. This is not like he, I don't know, he twisted an ankle or something. And Carson Wentz like, nah, I I'm out of here. I'm not coming back in here. So just cut it out. I know Misery loves company. And then I looked at the comments and I'm like, you know what? Let's see what these other people are saying about this. And a lot of other Cowboys fans just on his page, just like promoting and like celebrating the fact that he got hurt. And I'm like, I can even, and he said something. Oh, you guys weren't saying when Tony Romo got hurt, we knocked him out. Or when Michael Irvin got hurt at the vet and we were cheering him on. First of all, I don't even think no one was cheering him on when he got hurt. I think they were cheering for something else. Even if they were, my bad, okay? Not everybody was in that stadium. The fans that were there, they probably feel bad about it too. So look, you got that. That's fair. That's 100% accurate. I'll give you that, okay? 
But when Tony Romo got hurt with Jordan Hicks, no one was cheering for that. I don't want to see any player get hurt. I've said that a million times. I've said that a hundred thousand. I'll say it once. I'll say it again. And I'll say it a hundred times after that. I've never, ever wanted to see a player get hurt. Ever. I've never said, oh, break his leg, hurt that quarterback. I found myself having an out-of-body experience today because as I'm watching the game, after they knock out our quarterback, I'm frustrated. As a frustrated Eagles fan that lost his quarterback in the playoff game, my guy finally got to play in the playoff game after in his fourth year. And got to, had to sit back and watch Nick Foles win Super Bowls and win playoff games. My guy finally got to be on the field. He gets knocked out. And I'm frustrated for him, okay? And... And Russell Wilson is running around, and he's dancing, and he's sliding. And I'm just thinking, like, just hit that guy. Just hit him. Like, just hit him and just knock him out, please. Like, But then I thought to myself, like, Chris, nah, that's not you. You're not that kind of person. And immediately, I just like, you know what? Forgive me, Russell Wilson. You're a good guy. Like, it is what it is. But I instantly felt bad about that. So I never want to see a player get hurt. Even for the Dallas Cowboys, I don't want to see a player get hurt. Even if you killed my team, even if you ran for 200 yards and you said the most messed, even Jadavion Clown who said, oh, worst fans in football. I wouldn't even want to see him get hurt because Jadavion Clowney is a good football player and I want to watch good football players. That's why I watch the NFL. So I don't want to see like anybody get hurt. So I, I mean, I don't know about anybody else, but I wasn't cheering for Tony Romo when he got hurt. So you can, you can dead all of that. But... Carson Wentz, that's still my franchise quarterback. You're my guy. It really sucks that it ended that way. But you know what? You're going to be back next year. We're going to do it again. And like I said, I'm 100% sure that if Carson Wentz plays in that game, we're going to we're going to win that game because there was a lot of good things. So I'm going to segue into the good things. Um, Actually, no, I'm not going to. There wasn't a lot of good things. But I will say the offensive line played really, really well today. Miles Sanders and Bart Scott. Boston Scott played really, really well today. But in particular, the offensive line. Now, it might not seem like you might look at it and say, oh, my God, the offensive line played terrible. They didn't run for 100 yards. Or, like, they didn't. uh, Josh McCown got sacked a few times. But it really wasn't the case. Josh McCown just seemed to try to outrun people. He just seemed to try to make Carson Wentz-type plays. I think Josh McCown forgot that he was 40 years old. So, there was a lot of plays like that where... There was one play where I think Jason Peters got confused and there was a sack, I think, in the third quarter. But besides that, they were opening holes all day. And there was there were a lot of good things by the offensive line. Even guys like Matt Pryor and Vitae, they played well. And like I always said, those two guys, I had no worries about them at home. Now, we would have had to go to San Fran next week if we would have won this game. I would have been really, really worried about them next week. But in this game, they played really well. Like, really, really well. But the guy that didn't play well, who I've been a really big fan of, Avante Maddox, he struggled a lot today. And it really sucks because, like I said, I've been a big supporter of him. A lot of guys, you know, say, oh, get rid of the whole cornerback staff. These guys suck. But, again, I'm going to always say this. Jalen Mills my favorite Eagles player on the team. And... But Avante Maddox had been balling, just making tackles. Like, first of all, these cornerbacks can tackle down. Now we, like, you know, I'm assuming Darby won't be back. Now we got rid of Ronald Darby, who just who can't tackle a, a toddler right now. He he was not the, the best tackler at all. He didn't want to get physical. He he didn't want to. He didn't want no parts of that at all. But the rest of these cornerbacks, you know, Cravion LeBlanc and um, Avante Maddox, even Sidney Jones. And Jalen Mills, all these guys can tackle. Like these guys were willing to get down and dirty and get physical. Like 
don't think I've ever seen Jalen Mills miss a tackle. Like, and you can say whatever you want about the double moves, but Jalen Mills is willing to get in there and get his nose dirty, get his hands dirty. He's willing to, he will get in there. Like, he will tackle you, man. On the screen pass and the wide receiver screen, I've seen Jalen Mills go against guys that are like three times his size, 6'5", 220 pound receivers on the screen out there on an island, on an island with no help and go down there and make a tackle. So, Again, and Avanti Maddox is another guy like that. And he has really good ball skills, way better than Ronald Darby. And he has speed. He doesn't have the best speed, but he has enough speed. And he's a baller. So, but I, I just think he, he had a terrible game today. I mean, he was getting beat all day. He missed a couple tackles. He just, it was one play where he got beat so bad. And I, I mean, I haven't seen all 22 just yet, but there was one play on the. Um, I don't remember it was third or something. It was either the third or the fourth quarter. And you know, you look at it, he's on David Morris man to man. He's close to him. And then I'll say, you know, he goes out of the screen. But then by the time David Moore catches the ball, he's like, there's like a 12 yard separation. I'm thinking like, how did he do that? Like, and Avanti Maddox was, you know, he's claiming to the ref that he pushed off, which he might have. Cause I'm thinking like that would explain how he got so far away. Cause I'm like, there's no way he got burned that bad. You know, it wasn't even on the double move. It was just like a little like a quick end route or something, I think. So I think it was just like a 10-yard dig route. But um, then he got beat on the the touchdown. That was that was bad. That was pretty. I think he gave him the inside. I think he was expecting safety help from either Rodney McLeod. I think it was Rodney McLeod he was expecting safety help from. And not only did he get beat on that, once DK Metcalf went to the ground, just touch him, he's down. But he allowed him to get back up. Try to put him down. Let it by the time he was already in the end zone, so it was too late. So and that was one thing. Then uh, false starts too. That was another thing. There was a lot of false starts in this game, which is weird because they were home. I would expect that from Seattle. I would expect that if we played in Seattle, like we played in Seattle and they had that many false starts, I'm like, okay, the 12th man is at it again, like whatever. But they were home. I mean, they were at false starts by everybody. I mean, Peters and Ertz and Goddard and. And I think Vitae had one. There were just so many. Like I'm thinking, like why did why are there so many like false starts at home? Like it, it it just killed me. So and another thing that killed me was the third and longs. Like these third and longs. Like it was the third quarter. And again, the defense actually played really really well. And Fletcher Cox actually had a really good game. Fletcher Cox probably had his best game of the year. And a lot of times, the, when you're a defensive tackle, you're or or a defensive end, especially a defensive tackle, you really you're not going to get the numbers that, you know, defensive ends get or that, you know, safeties get or linebackers with the tackles. So, you know, you're just really clogging up a lot of the lane and you're allowing other guys to get tackles or you're, you know, you, you're moving the ball to another spot so another guy can make the tackle. And that's what Fletcher Costa did a lot today. He was just, he was in the backfield a lot. There was one play where they were in the red zone and I think they had to settle for a field goal in, in the first quarter where Fletcher Costa's Move past this. He moved past the center. He did like a, a quick little swim move, and then he just pushed him out the way, just knocked him over. And it was like Fletcher almost got to Russell Wilson, but you know Russell Wilson is a smart quarterback. He he can get rid of the ball. He he knows when Fletcher Cox is coming. But and that was like the one play. And I'm just like Jesus. And it was just all day. And you know the Seahawks. I knew our run game, our run defense would be really really good. I wasn't worried about Marshawn Lynch. I wasn't worried like Travis Homer. Like, who, who's Travis Homer? I don't care about this guy. And nobody's scared of the Seahawks offensive line. So I really knew they wouldn't be able to run the ball. I knew if they beat us, they would have to have some plays down the field with Russell Wilson, DK Metcalf, or Tyler Lockett. Tyler Lockett didn't really do much. He had that one crazy catch that he held in the sideline, like in the third quarter. But DK Metcalf did like the majority of the damage. 
But um, Sanche Costa had a really good game. I mean, just a really, really good game all around. So, But those third downs, there, there were two in particular where it was like third and 10 in the third quarter. I think they were on the same drop too. But, and he threw it to David Moore. And I can't remember who the cornerback was that was on him. And he was short. He was like seven yards short to the first down. And I'm thinking, okay, this is a tackle. He's about to make the tackle. And then somehow he broke away. And I'm thinking, okay, somebody else going to make the tackle. And then he ended up running for the first down. And he ended up getting like 30 yards out of the place. And I'm just thinking, like, like, come on with this. Like, Then it was another one, which, no, nah, this wasn't on the same drive. It was on another It was on another drive. It was a third and 15. And, again, Fletcher Cox got into the backfield. So I'm thinking, okay, we got this. We got this. Then he ran around, and that's why I hate playing mobile quarterbacks. Because once you lose containment on these guys, like it is a wrap, especially when you're playing man to man coverage. And that's why I always say you really can't play man to man against mobile quarterbacks because they're going to kill you every time. Because once they get out the pocket, everyone has their heads turned and they're guarding their guy. You either have to just have a spy at all times, or you have to stay in the zone. You have to stay in the cover three, or you have to do something. You can't. You can't ever play man-to-man coverage against these guys. Like, like whoever. Um, I'm trying to think who. I think it's Tennessee that plays Baltimore. Like, they, they can't play man-to-man. You can't play man-to-man against a mobile quarterback. So, it's going to be tough. But, yeah, there was 30-15. And Fletcher Cox got into the backfield. He ran around. And they were about six, seven yards to go. And it looked like Nigel Brown was about to tackle him. But then Russell Wilson put a move on him. And he ended up running. And I'm thinking, like, third downs and they end up finally making the third down stop later and it's funny you look at the score and it's like 17 points you know a whole bunch of passing yards by russell wilson but it, I mean, it was a couple third third longs that they couldn't stop but they played really really well i mean because again 17 points i mean if i would have told you before the season that okay the eagles are going to play the seahawks twice this season and they're going to give up 34 total points you'll probably say Okay, they're, they're definitely going to win one of those games. If I would tell you that they were going to give up 17 points in both of those games, okay, they're definitely going to win both of those games, right? So, like, you know, the first game was five turnovers. The second game was just not enough offense and just no Carson Wentz. I mean, honestly, I said that Carson Wentz, there's no way he would have had a worse game than he had the first time he played these guys, man. I know he started slow. You know, you look at his numbers, one for four, three yards, and you probably think, oh, yeah, they, they were bad anyway. He wasn't doing nothing. But, I mean, come on. You know, we've seen the Eagles have slow starts before. We've seen Carson Wentz have slow starts before. And even Josh McCown got into a rhythm late in the game. Now, if Josh McCown can get into a rhythm, not playing a game all season, being 40 years old, you think Carson Wentz wouldn't have gotten into a rhythm and scored a couple of touchdowns with this team? Now, there was, like, one moment where I so, – so there was a moment in the game I kind of was like, okay, we're not going to win this game. And I really had to make a confession about this season or about this game after, I'm going to say it afterwards. But there was one moment where I was like, you know what? We're not going to win this game. When we were down 10 to 3 and we got into the red zone and we had to set up for a field goal. And I think this was right when Boston Scott had that like 15 yard run. He got down to about the three yard line. And I'm thinking, like, we have to score here. And I wish he could have scored on that play. And I'm thinking, like, we have to score here. There's no way we can't score from first and goal from the three-yard line. And they do with a fumble snap on one of them. And the one where they double urged and he just had to throw it away. But right there, when we didn't score there, I'm feeling like this this is not a good look. Because if you, you're not good enough to score from the red zone with a, at the, from the three-yard line with a first and goal, you, you, you probably either don't deserve to win or you're just not good enough to win. So right there was when I was just like, you know what? I don't think we're going to win this game. 
and as an Eagles fan, I can't really say that out loud. I can't really even think it. I don't even want to let that thought cross my mind. Because, you know, I'm always supposed to have faith and I never have to, you know, not believe in my guys. I believe in my guys and I'm, I'm still watching. I'm still just holding out faith. But I've seen enough football to know how this movie goes. I know what the story looks like. I, I can watch a team and tell, like, they just don't have it to them. And they don't have the talent. And when you don't have the talent, you can't really win in the playoffs. And if you can't score from the three-yard line or first and goal, you're probably not going to win in the playoffs. So. That really, like, like hampered my thoughts on this game because I, I just really that was a big moment. We could have tied the game up, could have got a touchdown, got some momentum, but it just really, really killed us. So, but um, and that was the first possession of the second half, and came out the first possession of the second half, and. Right off the bat, it was like a 32-yard pass to Zach Ertz, like wide open in the middle of the field. And I'm thinking, like, here we go. Here we go. Like, this is it. Like, we're about to, you know, get something going. And they ended up selling. I guess they did get something going. They ended up selling for a field goal again. So, But I will talk about the – there were two fourth downs late in the game in the fourth quarter. I agree with one of them. I agree with one of the decisions. And I don't agree with the other decision. So they were down 17 to nine. Obviously, you know, still one possession game. You get a touchdown or two by conversion. You got a tie game. It's a whole new ball game again. And it was about fourth and four, but about six minutes left. And and I know hindsight is 2020. I know it's easy to say after the fact that they should have did this or they should have did this. But even before the game, even before the play, when they tried to go for it. I was even saying, just kick the field goal here. Our defense is playing well. Our defense, they, they're going to hold them. Just kick the field goal here. Make it 17 to 12. And then that way we can come back and we can try to score a touchdown and not have the pressure of trying to make a two-point conversion as well. I'm just thinking, like, there's still plenty of time left. There was six minutes left. It's not like it was, it wasn't, like, less than a minute left. Like, I mean, if there was desperation time, sure, then you got you to gotta go for it. But, and I just think with Josh McCown and... We're kind of limited as far as the weapons are concerned. If this was like fourth and one, maybe fourth and two, I would say, okay, because then you can still run. The, you got your whole playbook open. You can still run the ball. You can do a screen. You can do whatever. But fourth and four, that's kind of tough with a backup quarterback that hasn't played all year. And I'm just like, just kick the field goal here. We'll be down by five, but we can get the ball back. With still plenty of time left. Like, even if you kick the ball there, you know, it's still six minutes and some change left. Let's say you get the ball back with like three, four minutes. And you can score a touchdown to take the lead. You're not even worrying about just tying the game. You can take the lead with, with the touchdown here without even worrying about a two-point conversion. So that was the decision I didn't agree with. I wish we would just kick the field goal there. And they ended up not getting it. Uh, we threw it behind Miles Sanders a little bit. And Miles Sanders tried to run with it before he caught it. Didn't, ended up not catching it. So didn't get no points out of that. Would have been nice, but it is what it is at this point. But we know uh, Doug Peterson is aggressive, and I think it was our uh, third and thirteen, and Dallas Goddard got like nine yards on the, on the play. And right there, when he got the nine yards, I'm just like, yeah, Doug is going for it. Like, I mean, if you've been watching Eagles football enough, if you've been watching Doug Peterson these last four years, you pretty much are in his head, and you know, you pretty much know when Doug Peterson is going to go for it, and when he's not going to go for it. And if it's fourth and like less than eight, depending on like where it's at, you know he's going to go for it. 
if it's late in the game and he needs like a touchdown or he needs a field goal, he's going to go for it. So I'm like, this year or last year, we were at like our own 25 and it was fourth and one and they went for it. And I was going to think like, this guy's, this guy's crazy. They ended up getting it, um, um, fortunately, but <laughs> Doug Peterson is crazy, man. But sometimes it's good. Sometimes it doesn't work out. So, but you got to take the good with the bad. You can't just say, oh, he's too aggressive, but think, okay, he's aggressive now, but it was okay when he was doing the Philly special in the Super Bowl. Or, like, you know, it's okay when they're converting those fourth downs, but when they're not doing it, you can't say he's crazy. So, you got to take the good with the bad. I'm going to ride with Doug Peterson until the wheels fall off, you know? Doug Peterson, that's that's my head coach, so I'm glad he did it. So, I'm, I don't agree with the decision, but I'm still glad he did it. I love the aggressive nature still. Um, Then there was the second one when there was about two minutes left in the game. That one I do agree with, I think. You know, with two minutes left, you, you pretty much have to go for it there. You can't kick the field goal. You don't really have enough time to kick the field goal and get the ball back and then go down go to the length of the field score another touchdown like have to stop him use your time off you had no time off at that point so i definitely agree with the decision to go for it that time even though it was fourth and seven at that point but josh mccann ended up taking another sack and he tried to he tried to you know the pressure that that was actually one of the worst plays that the the eagles offensive line had that was like one of the few times where there was just pressure in his face like right away i think it was say omalu that got beat on that play it was a, either an outside swim move or inside where Sam Mello got beat. But, um, yeah, that fourth and seven ended up being to a sack. Uh, one, nobody was open on the play. So, Josh McCown tried to, you know, kind of squeeze through that defensive line a little bit. I don't know if he was going to run it or if he just wanted to, you know, bring the defensive up a little, try to get somebody open. But ended up not working out. He ended up getting sacked and ended up not getting the ball back. So, because Russell Wilson threw his long bomb to uh, DK Metcalf again who killed us all day and um yeah Marcus Epps he, he he got beat on that play which you know you're expecting them to run a ball I, I assume that's usually what the teams do to try to make you use the timeouts now if it doesn't work out and they it's incomplete we can get the ball back and we still have our timeout so but they ended up actually completing the pass you know, they make it, it was a really good play design, if you look at it. I mean, like, you know, all the receivers kind of, they had trips on, like, the right side, on the um, far side, on the near side. And they pretty much, like, lulled the cornerbacks to sleep. And DK Metcalf kind of stopped, make it look like he was blocking. And then he just, like, hit the Jets on him. And then Marcus Epps just, he couldn't catch up in time. So I just wish he would have just dropped the ball, knocked the ball out, or just anything would have happened. But. And right there, they end up nailing the ball game over. So, bada bing, bada boom, time to go home. And starting to think about next year. And, again, Carson Wentz, that's my guy. So, um, but, yeah, I'm going to talk about my confession for the season or for this game. I never really thought we were built for, like, a long playoff run. I mean, if you look at the team, I mean, there's no way a guy like Greg Ward and J.J. Arthur Whiteside and Robert Davis and... And uh, Deontay Barnett and Shelton Gibson, they just signed back. Different number and everything. Um, there's no way a, a Boston Scott, there's no way a team like this with all these injuries could compete for a Super Bowl. But, you know, the blind faith as an Eagles fan is, you know, we're going to the Super Bowl. We're going to the big dance. So, you know, it's like public perception. It's, you know, you have to say the right things in front of the camera. But behind closed doors, it means something else. Like, I, I knew this team wasn't good for a Super Bowl. If you're a real football fan, 
you know this team wasn't built for a Super Bowl run. You, you know that. I mean, come on. L let's be real here. This is me and another Eagles fan talking. Hey, you Eagles fan. You know good and well this team was not competing for a Super Bowl this year. You know, them winning the division was an accomplishment in itself. Now, the East is not enough. Those shirts, they were good. I'm pretty sure they sold really well. The quote is amazing. 2017, that quote might have been true. But 2019, I think the East is pretty much enough. So, But um, I really don't want to sit here and harp on the season and, and look ahead to next season. Like I said, I'm going to do that for, I'm going to save that for another episode. I'm going to sit on this loss. I'm going to watch the rest of the NFL. And then after that, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about the NFL. And then I'm going to, you know, I'm going to do my little recap of the season. I'm going to, I'll do something. But right now, it's not the time. This is uh, that's a topic for another day, so. But, yes, I'm just glad that they had a good season, but right now I don't really want to hear that because we could have won this game, and this is the frustrating part because both of these Seahawks games, we could have won. We could have easily won both of these games. It was some other games during the season that we could have won as well, so. But, again, we'll get to that at a later time. So, enough about the Eagles. Let's get to the rest of this playoff. So it started off with the Houston and the Buffalo game, which we know Houston always gets that first Saturday four o'clock wildcard game every single year, it seems like. So they're in that little death slot, but it ended up being a really, really good game. Buffalo came out, they scored in their first possession. They did their little quote unquote Buffalo special. They were up 13 to nothing at one point, I believe. I think they were up, actually, they were 16 to nothing. Should have been more than 16 to nothing because after that first touchdown they got, they couldn't score another touchdown, and they had numerous opportunities to put that game away. Like when they were up 13 to nothing, one at the start of the second half when they got uh, DeAndre Carter caught the ball, didn't didn't look like he caught fair catch, he didn't kneel or anything. He, he didn't, most of the time, you know, the players they just let the ball hit the end zone. As soon as the ball hits the end zone, the play is dead. The, the referee just blows the play dead. It's over. He threw the ball to the ref. Referee moves out the way. Buffalo picks it up. They called it a touchdown, but then they end up changing it. Okay, common sense tells you that. Okay, he was giving it up. He wasn't, obviously, he wasn't stupid enough to just throw the ball in the middle of the end zone. So they gave it that, but that would have been a really big swing for the Buffalo Bills. But then they were up 13 to nothing, and they had a chance to score again a touchdown. They went up 20 to nothing, and I think that would have probably put the game away. But they ended up settling, settling for another field goal. And you're thinking because. The difference between 16 to nothing and 13 and 20 to nothing is a big deal because 16 to nothing is still a two possession game. If I get two touchdowns and two for two point conversions, tie game. If I'm about 20, I need three touchdowns to make up for that. Or I need like two touchdowns, two two point conversions, and another touchdown. Like I still need three possessions. Like no matter how you swing it, I, I need three touchdowns at least. So that's a big difference between. 13 and nothing and 16 and nothing. And it ended up being a wild game. Josh Allen made some really boneheaded mistakes in this game. Like the last possession or the second to last possession right before they tied it. He had a chance to, you know, they were in field goal range. And he took he took one sack. And he should have just like either threw the ball away. You know, it was like late, so he just kind of panicked. And he just tried to throw the ball away. Cause I knew in his mind he was like, oh my God, I can't take a sack here. But yeah, at least got to get it back to the line of scrimmage. It was not only uh, intentional ground, it was a legal touch because the offensive linemen, they can't touch the ball. So they're not eligible receivers. 
So they lost a lot of yards on that play. And then the very next play on fourth down, which they had to go for on fourth down because they knocked them out that second, that penalty knocked them out of field goal range. He took another second. That lost like another 25 yards because he tried to outrun the guy. He tried to out-athletic the guy, which Josh Allen is a really athletic quarterback, but sometimes you try to do a little too much. So, and that's what happened there. Texas got the ball back. They had a fourth and one. They wanted to ice the game. I definitely agree with the decision. I agree with the aggressiveness because, you know, fourth and one, you know, you're thinking quarterback sneak. Deshaun Watson's a big quarterback. You, you can get one yard, so... No, Deshaun Watson is 6'2", 215. So you think, I can definitely get a couple inches out of this. But the Buffalo Bills ended up stopping them. So they got another chance. They got a redemption. So they ended up getting the field goal, tying the game up. And then went to overtime. And then Deshaun Watson made a crazy, crazy play in the overtime. He eluded like two defenders, threw the ball, and they pretty much put in the field goal range, iced the game. But that was a really, really good game. But all I can think about is Buffalo just blew an opportunity. I mean, they haven't had a playoff win since 1995. And they should have had one yesterday because they had Tex the Houston Texans on the ropes. I mean, the Texans, they looked like they were just not interested in playing. It's like, okay, they're, they're choking again. Deshaun Watson is just, he, he's not ready. I still think the Houston Texans are, aren't really that good. I think they're way too... Deshaun Watson driven. I think they need Deshaun Watson. They don't have a good offensive line, first of all. And I think in order for them to win or to have a, even a good play, Deshaun Watson has to make an amazing play. And that's what he did. But I feel like you're not going to be able to make those amazing plays all the time. It's like sometimes you have to just line up mano y mano and just line up and play some football. I mean, you can't. This isn't backyard football. You can't just count on, you know, NFL street type of play. So. All I can think about is Buffalo just blew an opportunity. They should have won this game. Like, they really should have. But it is what it is. Houston's advancing. So we'll see what they're going to do next week against the Chiefs. So we'll see. Then the next game wasn't as exciting, but it was definitely just as satisfying. The Tennessee Titans. And it's crazy because I'm saying before this game, and I think in my podcast I said I wouldn't be surprised if they won this game. But I definitely said... But as the as it was leading up to the game, I just felt more and more confident. I think like, you know what? Tennessee is going to win this game. Cause I'm just looking at the Patriots. I'm like, they just don't have the weapons. And and it's funny because the Patriots are actually have like the fifth ranked run defense. They only giving them 95 yards a game. But they must have gotten a lot of those against like the bad teams that they played. Because I looked at Joe Mixon uh, ran all over him. Nick Chubb ran all over him. Lamar Jackson ran all over him. And, like, I've just seen teams just, like, it wasn't like, okay, they got 101, they got 120 yards. I mean, these guys had, like, 140, 170, 180 yards against these guys. So, I know Stephon Gilmore is probably the best corner in the game. They have a really solid pass defense. You know, they got the McCordy brothers back there. You got Patrick Chung back there. But run-wise, I know the defense is really good. And I know the numbers say otherwise, but I just look at the, that matchup being, it was just a bad matchup for them. Because the things that the Titans do well, the, the Patriots just didn't really defend well against. And just leading up to the game, I'm just like, the Titans are going to win this game. They're going to run the ball with Derrick Henry, and they're going to win this game. Because they don't even have to throw it, and they didn't throw it. I mean, I think Tannehill only had about 14 or 15 pass attempts like the whole entire game. Like, I mean, they ran the ball 34 times with Derrick Henry for 182 yards and a touchdown. And I've said this. Derrick Henry is a monster. You do not want to tackle that dude. This guy is like, 
like 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 Garrett Blunt mixed with Marshawn Lynch mixed with Ron Dane mixed with Brandon Jacobs. Like this guy is like huge. So like I, I wouldn't want to tackle this guy if I'm if I'm a defender. So they just play ground and pound football. And again, the, and then the Patriots had the ball at the one yard line. And they couldn't even score. They tried to run the ball two times to the left, like you know, to the left tackle style, off tackle. Couldn't get in. The Titans just made really, really good plays. And I know the Titans defense has just been really good this year. And that's what I said. Like, the, like there's two things that travel in the NFL: a run, a run, um, a running game, and a defense. They should travel. You know, some teams don't play as good defensively on the road. You know, hence the Eagles. But those things generally travel. I just thought, just as far as on the Patriots side of things, this was just a bad matchup. If they would have played, if they would have had to play Houston, or if they would have had to play Buffalo, or like I don't know, let's say the Steelers got in, they would have played them, or Indianapolis, like they would have been, they would have been all those teams. Uh, to me, I think so. But I think as far as Tennessee, like, I, I just thought Tennessee was a bad matchup for them. I don't think they're like a much better team or anything. I just think the way they run the ball, I mean, you're not going to be able to win games if you're going 8 for 15 to seven, with 72 yards. You're just not. Like in the NFL playoffs in 2020, you're just not. This isn't 1990. You have to pass the ball. You have to throw the football. So, But for this guy, it worked. Because when you're playing a New England Patriots team that doesn't have the offensive weapons that they once had, it will definitely suffice. So, but I think everybody was happy to see it because the Patriots, first of all, they haven't played in the wildcard game since 2009 when they lost to the Patriots, uh, when they lost to the Ravens. So to see them even playing in the wildcard game was none, which is it's only their fault. They lost to the Miami Dolphins last week. They were pretty much, they were the number one seed pretty much until they lost to the Ravens. And once they lost to the Ravens, they were pretty much etched into that number two seed. They were pretty much Ravens number one, Patriots number two, like the whole entire year. And then once, then the last week of the season, they decided to lose to the Dolphins. And the, the Chiefs just said, I'll take that number two seed. They just lay right in there. So and it sucks for them, but it, it's their fault. I mean, you shouldn't have lost to Miami in a week 17 game at home. So it's really your own doing. But it ended up costing them because they had to play in wildcard weekend. They ended up getting, like I said, the worst matchup possible. And they lost, which makes America and the rest of the football world so happy because we're tired of watching the Patriots. I mean, you look back. We watched the Patriots in the Super Bowl. I mean, starting from 2011. We, they got to the Super Bowl in 2011, lost to the Giants. They In 2012, they lost to the Baltimore Ravens in the AFC Championship game. 2013, they lost to Denver in the AFC Championship game. 2014, they got to the Super Bowl. They won the Super Bowl. They beat Seattle. That was the infamous, you know, Michael Butler interception. 2015, they lost to Denver in the AFC Championship game again. 2016, they made the Super Bowl. 2017, they made the Super Bowl. 2018, they made the Super Bowl. So even when they weren't in the Super Bowl, per se, they were still at least in the AFC Championship game. So we had to watch these guys every single year go late in the playoffs. And we had to watch these guys in January every single year. And you just get tired of watching these guys. Like, and I know I, I like Dynasty. I like the Golden State Warriors. I like watching the San Antonio Spurs. I, nah, I didn't even like the Lakers because they beat my team. But I like, I like Dynasties. But at a certain point, I mean, 20 years, it's like, come, I'm tired of watching these guys. Like, I really am. Like, you witness the greatness. You respect it. 
but you're tired of watching this dude especially because they're not really fun to watch anymore like it's not this is not like the fun Gronkowski and Aaron Hernandez team this isn't Wes Welker and Randy Moss and Dante Stallworth and Lawrence Maroney and like, those guys this isn't like they're not fun to watch at all so like why would I want to keep watching these guys every single year so well yeah congratulations Tennessee good job y'all um, so we're going to go to the NFC now, which I already talked about the Eagles, so I'm not going to talk about that, obviously. Minnesota and New Orleans, yo. I'm telling you right now, as confident as I was about Tennessee beating New England, I was like 100 times that for the New Orleans Saints. Now, the Saints were 13-3, so the fact that they even playing a wild card weekend is kind of, it kind of shows you how, how stacked the NFC was this year. A lot of really good teams. Now, I said... Like, all year, even, like, a couple weeks ago, I even said, I said, like, you know, you got San Fran, you got Seattle, and you even had the LA Rams, and you had, you know, Minnesota and Green Bay, and you had the, um, hang on, I'm drawing a blank here. Then you had, you know, you got the Saints, so you got, like, some really, really good teams that were, like, legit contender. Now, as the year went on, you were like, okay, this team is not real. Like, I didn't think Minnesota was for real. I didn't think Green Bay was for real. I still don't think Green Bay's for real. Even though they're number two seed, I, I still don't think they're they're for real at all. Even Seattle, I don't even think Seattle is like a legit contender. But the New Orleans Saints ended up with the three seed because somebody filled my head to be the three seed. Everyone can't get a first round box, so what happened? But um, I just felt with the way Minnesota looked last uh, last time we saw them on Monday night, it's like same old Kirk Cousins, same old Minnesota Vikings. Same old disappointing purple people, purple people eaters. And I just thought with the way the New Orleans was playing, I mean, they've been scoring 36, 37 points a game the last, like, few weeks. I just thought they were hitting their stride. I mean, Drew Brees, remember, he missed, like, six, seven games. So by the time he came back, it took him a while to get back into his rhythm. He came back and just jumped right back in it. So and they were just rolling over teams. I mean, you look at their, their scores. They scored 42 against Carolina. They scored 38 against Tennessee. They scored 34 against Indianapolis. They scored 46 in a loss to San Fran. And, you know, they beat the Falcons on Thanksgiving, 26 points. But those last, like, four games, it's a lot, a lot of points. So, I, I just really thought they were scored, especially at home. Like, the Saints do not lose home playoff games. They don't. They only lost a play, home playoff game uh, last year because of you know, the infamous blown pass interference call. Like, they do not, They I think they were the only, I think that was the only home playoff game that they lost in the Sean Payton slash Drew Brees era until today because Minnesota came out and they just imposed their will. They were, it was 3-3, then they went up right before the half. And it was, I think it was 13-10 and 10 right before the half. And New Orleans had a chance to actually, you know, tie the game up, but, you know, Will Lutz missed the field goal. But in the second half, they, they, like, the Vikings just seemed to control the game the whole time, and it was just one of them rhythm things where you're looking and you're like, I don't really have a feeling that New Orleans will ever win this game. Like the whole time, I'm just like, I think Minnesota's gonna win this game. I'm like, is this really gonna happen? And I'm glad I'm not a betting man because if I were a betting man, I would have bet everything on the Saints. I would have put my life on the line that the Saints will win this game, and it, especially in the Super like. In New Orleans, like just think how great they play in their stadium. They do not lose home games. Like, they don't. But, and they were playing so well. A 13-3 team losing a wild card game. Like, are you kidding me? A team that's 13-3 winning the wild card. Like losing in the wild card round. Like, 
I mean, we've seen teams 13 and 3 that were first round by, and you know, they lose their divisional round because it's a bad matchup. We've seen 13 and 3 teams losing their conference championship game. Like, sure, that happened, but in the wild card game, that is unheard of. That is absurd. So, only the, <laughs> in the words of Drake, I, I, I'm in shock. I mean, I really, I'm in shock. I really am. So even now it's been a couple hours and I'm just like, I'm going to have to watch the game again and see how they did it. I mean, only thing I can think of was that like, you know, leading up to the game, it's okay, maybe Dalvin Cook will play. He's coming back. Maybe they can, you know, run it down their throats. He ran for two touchdowns today, but you know, he only ran for 94 yards. He ran the ball almost 30 times. So it was like, he ran the ball actually over 30 times. If you count Madison and Abdullah and, and Dalvin Cook, you and CJ Ham, like all these guys, Adam Thielen had a good game, and that was another thing I could say. I, could, I, I think I even said that before. I'm like, okay, Adam Thielen, you know, he was hurt most of the year. It took him a while to come back. You know, he got his rhythm back now, so this is probably the time to actually get his rhythm. And I'm thinking, like, okay, Adam Thielen, maybe that can be the reason. He had a really good game. Dalva Cook almost had 100 yards, two touchdowns. So, and. The defense just played really well. And I know Minnesota has a good defense, but I didn't think they had enough, especially with they had had two cornerbacks out today. Um Mike Hughes and I can't think of the other guy's name, but there were two cornerbacks that were out. Like two cornerbacks, Mackenzie Alexander, that's the other guy's name. It, it, it literally just came to me. There were two guys that played like pivotal like parts of that defense too. It's not like they're like I don't know, 13 guys that play special teams. These are like pivotal guys on their t- on their defense. So I, I just thought like that they would just carve them up. I thought Michael Thomas would go crazy. Seven catches, 70 yards. You know, like, it's okay for like you know another player, but for him, a guy that had 149 catches this year, you know, you would think it'd be better. Saints couldn't run the ball at all. They pretty much abandoned the run early on. Alvin Kamara only had seven carries. Latavius Murray only had five carries. But, yeah, like I said, they abandoned the run early on. So, it just really just threw me off that that they didn't win this game. And now Minnesota, they get to go and play San Fran, which I would assume that San Fran will win that game. But what, what do I know? I, I don't know anything I mean, the only thing that went according to plan was, according to like you know favorites and all that, was the Houston game, I guess. Well, at least going according to plan to me. I mean, I, I knew, kind of knew Houston would win. Kind of knew that, like I said, I, I knew Tennessee would win, but I really thought for sure that Seattle, I mean, I thought that Minnesota would just choke. I, I, I didn't think that New Orleans would be the team that would choke in there. And once again, but the good thing about this is they don't have nobody to blame but themselves. I mean, last year it was, oh, you guys cost us the referees, cost us a trip to the Super Bowl. Acting like they didn't have a chance to win it in, in the overtime before it even got that far. But um, that's neither here nor there. But at least for this one, they can't complain about the refs. They can't complain about anything. This is pretty much all on you. So, got to live with this, this decision, guys. So, it is what it is. So, um, I think I talked enough football for the day. Eagle season over. But we do still have a lot of playoff football to talk about. So, we're going to 
hang with me around here. I'm going to sit here and talk about football all the way through the Super Bowl. So thanks for listening. I'm going to head out. Uh, Remember, it's just a game. Peace out. One love.